My name's Ian Austin, and this is the first episode of Friday Night Shudder. Now, you might not have heard Friday Night Shudder before this, but trust me, you're in for a treat. This is going to be the first and weirdest mix of a podcast, a recap, a review, and a commentary at the same time. So it's going to be quite strange. A gist of this is that I'm going to be reviewing movies or recapping or commentating or just observing Movies based on Shudder Horror app. Now, if you haven't heard of Shudder Horror, it's this new streaming app. Relatively new. It's been around for at least six months, a year-ish, I guess. And essentially, it's it's an app for the horror aficionado. And it is wonderful. I strongly urge you all to get on board with it. But the theme for this is that I've been watching lots of movies on this app. And I've been thinking that, you know what? Someone needs to watch these movies with the humorous feel that they're designed to have. You know, like, because horror is great. Horror is something you can laugh at, you can scream at, but you can really enjoy. And there's a lot of weird stuff on this app. And I feel like I need to recap it. You know, someone needs to put across what these movies are actually like. And originally I was going to do The Bay, which is a found footage horror movie of an environmental theme and basis by Barry Levinson of Rain Man fame and I figured you know what that'd be quite a good movie so I was writing some notes for it got to about four pages and I realized that it wasn't quite the movie to start off with partly because it's actually pretty good like and I figured I don't want to start off with a good movie I want to start off with something so so much fun I can riff on without thinking so I figured some flesh eaters for context zombie flesh eaters is actually titled zombie 2 zombie with just the eye and then two in italy it's essentially zombie um with an eye was the italian reworking of dawn of the dead because um george romero and dario argento teamed up to get that movie financed and then dario argento of the spear of fame made a not made it re-edited it for the italian market made it more of an action movie and this in theory is a sequel to that but this is will go on when i'm recapping this movie in loosely commentary form because i'm going to be watching the whole thing sort of live with you guys essentially as we get on you realize that doesn't make any sense then again, none of the Romero dev movies fit with any of the other ones in terms of tone or continuity or consistency. They're all great movies, but they're three movies set in a post-zombie outbreak weird, but not like, you know, the same one necessarily. And then there's other Romero movies, but we won't talk about them. So essentially, this is a sequel to the Italian producer's cut of an American zombie movie. And it's, I'd say this one's my favourite horror movies. I'm going to say that front because obviously I'm going to criticise it a lot after this. But it's a very fun movie, which I'll come back to that when we get to the end of the little recap thingy, I guess, podcast, whatever. Essentially, this is going to be a bit of a gentle piss take because this is a really strange movie. Like proper strange and as it goes along you might notice that i'll be making certain um jokes for lack of a better word about how the story could have changed and about how i would have made it i guess not not even made it i think that's the wrong term i think i'll be making lots of jokes about how you could 
change the movie up slightly to have it make a bit more sense and also a lot of dc comic references because i love dc comics and i figure anything could be improved with lots of dcness so if you're watching this as you're listening to podcasts or recap or commentary or whatever or review that'd be amazing but you might not be seeing the sort of movie that I'm actually describing. Alternately, if you've never seen this movie before and you're listening to this, I will laugh a lot because obviously you'll watch it, you'll listen to this and be like, wow, that sounds interesting. And then you watch the movie and you'll be like, what is he talking about? Which is great, you know, because we, we all have fun, we all see movies weirdly. And I don't think lots of people obviously have noted this because obviously, obviously, let's say it one more time. It was a few years ago, but I wrote a review of um, the second Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Street movie. And I did the same thing where I started writing in that, oh, it's an X-Men prequel and stuff like that. So that's roughly my style, I guess. But anyway, I think it's time to watch the movie because this is an hour and a half and we're already five minutes in. So let's press play. Right, we're opening on a man with a gun in a sort of fuzzy background shot. It's a standard issue revolver. He's pointing gun. He's pointing. Oh, no. Someone's rising up from bed with a noose around the neck. He's changed barrel. Bang! He's shot them. Ooh, squishy blood. Gore effects. Now, right off way, right off bat, this movie means business. They're not messing about. And as this mysterious stranger says, the boat can leave now to the crew. It's quite an interesting way to start moving that you've already established that this guy is telling people what they are and are not going to do. And he's very English, which, as you'll watch this movie or as you listen to the commentary, essentially, this is clearly made by a foreign crew, I believe Italian. And that guy in first scene is the only person in the entire movie who speaks, like, fluent English. Or at least was asked to speak fluent English. And right now we have title screen and title crawl and amazing music. It's the um, do, 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 It's amazing music. And the special effects guy, Giannetto De Rossi. Seriously, this guy, oh, he's amazing. Like, they they give praise to, I think it's Gregory Nicotero? Nicotero, the guy that's Walking Dead. He's good. This guy, like one thing this move, movie does really well is the music and special effects, and it's just breathtaking. Sorry, I'm just watching credits now because they're kind of flat but cool. It's the music and the sort of flatness of the titles they use, and of course, Lucio Fulci, who is crazy. Like, I love George Romero movies, but Fulci just makes the weirdest genre stuff. Like, it's like, he makes it, he knows what he has to do, but he throws in so many weird touches that make it fascinating to watch. And this is, I'm guessing, the boat from the opening scene. It's, um, crawling into harbour, and it's, um, yeah. Instantly, that's meant to be New York, but as you'll find in a few minutes, I'm just going to call it Metropolis. Because I, I don't know, I love the idea that this is an unofficial sequel to Superman 2. I know you're probably thinking, what am I talking about? What's he talking about? But, like, you know, you got to have a bit of fun. And there's Coke cans rolling around on the um, deck of the ship, unopened. 
you can't see the logo, Statue of Liberty in the background, but you know, we can ignore that. Metropolis here. It's probably a statue of fucking cars or something. And this ship is, and the ferry goes past. I've actually been, no, screw it, they just say New York, so being New York. That's being on those ferries, they are very cool. And it's blaring at this ship because this boat somehow got all the way from, spoilers, the Caribbean, and now it's in New York Harbor. Yeah, it's, you just have to go over that. I mean, it's it's blatantly shot in Italy, but, you know, whatever. Now they're telling guys to get off the boat, but, you know, there's no long boat, so what are you going to do? These scenes are always, like, it's always a bit difficult, because in some ways you can say that this is making tension, and I guess you would be right in saying that, but at the same time, it feels like filler, really. Like... It's not that you need to get on with things, but the whole Kubrick approach for these movies really, for these horror movies really got me. Because he used really static images to like really speed you in. Like the slow close-ups and stuff like that. This is just shots of a boat. And it's not, you really don't get the impression this is stuff that Lucio Fulci likes shooting. I wouldn't be surprised if it's all location stuff. And now these guys, the um, Italian Coast Guard. Oh. You know, you just have one sometimes. Are these guys as bad as you think, as movie portrays them being in terms of acting credibility? Or is it just dubbing? Because this is not even close to what they're actually saying. I, I would have almost preferred that this was in Italian, to be honest. And just dubbed. Like... I mean, maybe not in time, maybe it wouldn't work, because American audiences, they assume things like subtitles and dubbing and stuff like that. Not dubbing, but subtitles in foreign languages and movies. But I still think that's bullshit. Like, you could have had these two speak Italian and just subtitled it. Like, and, and it would fit Fulci's terminology, because he's quite a strange director, so... Anyway, the the two coast guards, the um, are going on boat and they're hilariously inept. It's just sort of searching place. They they don't react to any of this disgusting food by sniffing air and going, oh, what stinks? Because clearly, you know, food in no Hollywood movie has an aroma, so why did it start now? But this boat is really quite disgusting. There's clothes everywhere, maggots, squirrely food, there's a weight that's been knocked over, there's a bin that's been knocked over, it's, one of the cops is warned not less sail hit him, two seconds notice and Sue gets hit by the sail, shouts at his young partner, you know, winch is broken, that's fair enough, but like, you know, now we get the weird horn that's blaring, and I love that. It's kind of like an early version of the Inception horn. And it's just really kind of crap in a funny way. So the young cop with like the short mullet black hair, I guess. This was pre-80s. So it's weird to have mullet. Maybe it got to it at least sooner. He's not reacting to disgusting food either. Um, and it really is quite disgusting. But then he sees something horrible. He sees... Oh, slugs, slimy slugs everywhere. 
slimy, slimy slugs. And then he looks to the side and sees something else that shots him that takes him way too long to react to. He sees, he sees a moving head plot. Oh no! He sees a bitten off hand and he's like, oh no, I don't like it. Oh no, here comes a big, big bad zombie. It's kind of like a super, super fat version of Bub from Night Dev Dead. So he tears off this guy's arm and he gets bits of scabby skin that come off with it. And Big Boy bites him because why not? And tries to turn him in Two Face on <laughs> as the first spurt of blood. <laughs> I I don't I I I would laugh a bit at this because I oh no like I don't find violence funny per se but I think the effects are so over the top that he's still ah oh. so then the senior cop on the scene's pointing gun he's like zombie stop stop zombie zombie doesn't stop you know he's clumsy free thinking that zombie lives matter that's a bit mumble but you can go with it. Zombie keeps walking, walking. He's giving warning, another warning, another warning, another warning. He ain't going to stop. He wants his food. Six shots with a gun that sounds like something out of a western. No, that that's not even how it sounds. It's like the the old school gun where it's like bang, 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 bang. But in a cool sound effect. So if you're counting, that's one human dead, one decayed hand, and one zombie. Meanwhile, Daily Planet, and I like to assume it's Daily Planet, and this guy, the site bolding guy is Perry White, because it makes it a lot more funny, reacting to this news and thinking, I'm not going to send Clark Kent, or Lois Lane, or Jimmy Olsen, or Lana Lang, or Steve Trombardi, or Wrong Troop. No, I'm going to send Wesley. Wesley, the... Oh, man, this guy looks like a shapeshifter from another planet that went horribly wrong. It's the hair, mainly. Rest of fine. It's just the hair is, like... It doesn't fit. It looks... It looks kind of a weird form of CGI before CGI is perfected. So then they have a chat, Perry White and Wesley, about the situation. And Perry White's trying to explain that he doesn't want to send any of these good reporters into the field. Because, no, they might get eaten by zombies. So send Wesley. And Wesley's like, well, well uh, I have to prove myself, Chief. And Perry White's like, don't call me, Chief. <laughs> uh, you know, you got to make your own amusement sometimes. This is really just a weird scene. Because um, at the end, Perry White goes, oh, we don't. Don't let anyone think that this is just good your day bought in paper. And in DC Comics continuity, that could be dozens of people who bought that paper. So then there's a crime scene and and it's um yeah, it's populated by disco tech population of Metropolis. And now we're on boat and oh this this actress she looks Deer in headlights at all times. And I don't think it's intentional. Looks like she's never acted before a day in her life. And it seems you'll notice that they're asking her questions about where her father is and what she's doing on his boat. And she's asking the same questions back. And it's a really bizarre scene. Because, like, you don't... It's meant to be a scene where you learn more about moving, more about characters and backstory. But you end up more confused... I mean, like, she doesn't know what's going on, and cops don't know what's going on. And it's like, 
you can't deliver exposition if no one in the scene knows what the fuck is going on. Like, she's asking them what happened, and they're asking her what happened, and no one knows what happened. And I get points meant to be, oh, it's this big mystery, blah, blah. But you just watch it, and you're like, wait, what? What, what is going on? Like, and now we're at the um, coroner's office, the chief medical officer, even, as emphasized by establishing shot of the chief office, medical examiner's office. So, and there's there's a fetus in a jar. Literally a fetus in a jar. This is the most bizarre start to a movie since pieces. So, excuse me a second. And now this guy who um they found on the harbour, you know the um the cop the young cop who got bit. Well he gets back, right, and they're asking each other how he died. And it's so weird. You know, they have this conversation. I get they need to do your autopsy, but it's clear that's clearly cause of death. Like, it's not ambiguous. And the, the chief medical examiner gives his colleague shit for, for, like, not knowing that it was a teeth bite, which is, like, fair enough. But, like, you asked him what cause of death was. Clearly you didn't know. So, like... And then chief medical examiner says to his colleague, pass me his scalpel. And they have discussion over it not being big enough scalpel. And it's all like, why didn't you specify what scalpel you wanted to prick? Like, it's just stupid, you know? Like, I'll say like six more times. Don't worry about that. You just watch these movies and it just cracks you up. The, the, the focus scenes being the cave scenes and zombies and stuff like that. But the dialogue is so strange. Like, it's clearly been dubbed from English, from Italian to English. And it's been dubbed badly. And in that scene, Dom Cop's about to rise, and then we cut to a different scene. It's like... I said like again, obviously. <laughs> so we're on the harbour now, and it's night time, and they've got one guard keeping watch, one police officer on Coast Guard that we've watch. Is that Inception horn blares in background? And that's really going to start pissing me off in a second. So then we get a Metal Gear scene where this woman... Oh, God, I can't remember his name... I'm just going to call it Faro, where Faro is ducking diving while weirdest music plays, like something out of the 1950s, 1960s hybrid. It's like, it's like disco beat to it. And music's playing, and it's so weird. It doesn't fit what's going on. Like, where's the creepy music? Where's the suspenseful music? It's like... And chalk outline's still there. Like, they need to know where he died, despite that they clearly know where he died. And she's on boat, and she's looking for clues, I guess. Although, why was she let on boat earlier? She wants to contaminate crime scene. That's not me to think about that. So she's searching for stuff, fans, as fans of Walking Dead would say. She's not going to find anything, because if Dad wasn't on this boat, we've established that. Like, in that terrible scene, that's one thing we established, that no one knew where your father was. And she's looking drawers because clearly that's where a grown man would be. 
I suppose maybe she's looking for information with her diary or something, but I, I don't know why her dad was put on boating first time. Then again, I don't know why her dad, the doctor, the guy that stopped the gun, the um, Harry Lyme looking motherfucker, I don't know why he would let anyone leave that island first place. Especially, I don't know why he would have left. And also don't know why he would have let them leave if there's clearly a zombie on board. Like, So now Wesley essentially is holding this woman hostage and telling her that you can trust me, don't scream, so she doesn't scream. He can help her out because he, he's investigating this whole situation. Following her all afternoon, which is great, you know. This is why I don't get back to the movie. He's clearly acting like a private investigator, morning reporter. Because aren't Porter's meant to, like, you know, not get involved in, like, these sort of situations? So they have a bad flirt, and then they just talk. They He offers that they should team up, like, a truce. Because he's found... Uh, some letters or something like that. She's not over a lantern. And I don't know about you guys, you might not be big on DC Comics, or you might be, I don't know. But that that lantern to me symbolises Necron, who's the, not the empty of death in DC Comics universe, but he's basically one of the big high up death characters. Lead of Black Lantern Corpse, Corpse, which is like the personification of death, and like he can create zombies and it's trying to put universe back to a place where it's complete darkness and death reigns supreme. And as they knocked over Atlanta, I'm going to retroactively say that they caused this zombie epidemic. Despite the fact they already started before that. You know, but whatever. And all zombie Haitian mentions later on, I don't think I can. I think it's Necron. So then this cop's slowly coming down, you know. He doesn't seem realise that they can't get off boat without him seeing them. He can just stand up top and tell them come out. But he goes down anyway, not knowing what's there. Not knowing if more zombies. So he finds these two. Sorry, I'm getting a bit ahead. He flashes a torch. And he's flashing and flashing and flashing and flashing. And a bit more flashing. So he finds these two. God damn it, he's still flashing. This is not tense. Just get on with it. Jesus Christ, come on, mate. Only an hour and a half long. This isn't exactly Kubrick. And he finds them. Did he not hear them? Like, they're in flagrant, you know, and they're having some sort of, it looks like, lying, just lying on each other's shoulders. And then they go up and sort of like, oh, no, we, were, we weren't having sets off, so we weren't. And then they have an argument over how they never have romance in their lives, and he just want doing bots car, which is hilarious. They've clearly rehearsed this. And then Wesley has a girl, and then Wesley has got her mother, and she screams at him, "You leave my mother out of this!" Jesus, it's terrifying. That's the one bit of acting that she does in this entire movie. And it's her character acting, not her. It's so weird, like... That officer, by the way, knows what's happened. You never see him again, but he knows that zombies are coming, so he leaves this movie completely. So, this is weird, because, like, the Doctor 
the note he writes essentially says, I'm being used as a guinea pig. They're using me for experiments, and I won't leave, but I can't. But as you'll find out later on, none of that's reflected in the actual movie. Absolutely ridiculous. Right, well, nothing much is going to happen for a few minutes, so I thought we'd advertise with first sponsor. Obviously, this is a podcast, like, we need sponsors. So, here's our first sponsor. This sponsor is called Carbonated Drink. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll enjoy Carbonated Drink. It's, oh. Oh, that's delicious. Carbonated Drink, available at any supermarket. <sighs> well, that'll get me through another week. You know these sponsors, they do pay a pretty penny. And carbonated water? Crap, I'm not going to get mung now, am I? Carbonated soda. Only I'd edit my podcast. Carbonated soda is truly refreshing. And much better than that name brand crap. So now they're on a plane. Now we're officially leaving Metropolis, New York, wherever. Rome, I guess, because it's Italian actors. Now we're we're almost at Caribbean. Um, actually, no, we are in Caribbean now, but they're not Zombie Island yet. You know that's coming up. And of course, you know, I think it's clear at this point, neither one of these characters believes in Zombie Island. They think it's just a name, because why would zombies live on Zombie Island? That's just, an, you know, oxymoron. So they're talking to a cab driver who tells them they can't possibly get them to Zombie Island. Sorry, pardon. But he certainly can get them Zombie Island if they pay him. It's not that he believes that Zombie Island's real. But he wants to be paid. Like I do love the impression in scene that like he wouldn't take them unless they paid him. But was he just gonna do it for free then? Like if you don't pay me, I can't take you anywhere. If you pay me, I'll take that. You're a taxi driver. You're already driving taxi. They're going to pay you. Like oh, maybe it's different in Italy. I've been in Italy and it's a lovely country. But maybe in seventies it's different and they would drive you certain places for free. But if you want it to pay them, they drive you to other places. So they're looking for a boat to Zombie Island. And it's music against brilliant. It's like a... Oh, it's so good. I'd recommend, if you don't want to watch a movie, just find find the soundtracks on YouTube. They are brilliant. They're so good. And this couple... Um, I can never remember any of names in moving. It's not really important ever, either. So I'm going to call him... I'm going to call him Crystals and... Rissles. I don't care that her name's just been announced as Susan Barrett and he's got one. I don't care. You know, bristles, crystals and bristles. Crystals and rissles. I don't know if these two actors are Italian. I think woman definitely is. I think the guy... I think he can affect some lines in English, but they're so, so bland. They're so... Not bland, that's the wrong word. Confused during headlights expression. And they really don't want to actually go Zombie Island. They'll they'll do a boat trip around the island and they'll come back. But they won't actually go there. 
and all I can think of at this point is you can drop them off and then just leave. Like, oh, so weird. This is like the weirdest. Like, I, I suppose this technically could be an alternate bat story from Mum Mia. Like, you know, but probably not. Instantly, Mum Mia, here we go again, is actually really funny, so you should go and see that. Oh, now, oh, Christ, what's her name? Oh, the dopey one, Pharaoh. She was born on boat, apparently, so she knows everything there is to know about boats. And I'm questioning that. Like, obviously, her her dad's a doctor, so, you know, there's some safety in her being actually born on boat. But at the same time, like, you just have to stop and think, that doesn't make any sense. Like, if her father is so good with boats, then why can't he leave the island? And now we meet her father again, and I I just want to stop this movie and say that this actor, oh, he's so good. He's so good, I'm not joking. Richard, Richard Johnson. He is amazing. Like, I, I read stories that he wasn't terribly happy with this movie and, like, being in it and all of that stuff. But you would not know it for his performance. Like, jokes aside, he is frigging amazing, this movie. He's so good. Working with some of these terrible actors. Like, terrible actor, for example, playing his wife, who is sta- either staggeringly bad or his dubbing makes it worse. Because I... I don't know if they're actually going for her being batshit insane. I don't know whether that's the intent. If it's not, they screwed up somewhere. Because her entire performance is... One, I mean, she clearly can't be his daughter's mother because she's too young. And two, she just acts so weird. Like, there's no progression. She's just screaming at him and he's like... It's like he doesn't know what she's saying and she doesn't know what he's saying. So the choices they have are so out of sync with each other. It's wonderful in some ways because it's really entertaining. Like that scene where she drinks a whiskey. She makes her face like... Like, you know... Such a bizarre series of acting choices. Two directors, it seems like, were directing both of them. She's screaming now because she is scared that they found another zombie. And she's really getting into it. Like, this is a full Jack Nicholson playing Jack Torrance in Shining Style Nervous Breakdown. She is going batshit insane. He's trying to pacify her by saying it's not that bad, you know. And also, we live on Zombie Island, you know. You knew what we are getting into when we moved here. But she won't buy it. She's like, well, I didn't know how many zombies there'd be. You know, I thought there'd be a couple, and now would take over the neighbourhood. Apparently, you know, she screams at him and says, you'd like pass me off as crazy, but you can't. You can't. You can't. A person rational. Which again goes back to my point. I don't think this scene's meant to be played like she's actually crazy. But she is. It's such a weird performance. She's screaming at him, calling him dementing cruel, so he hits her, which you know, that's wrong. That's not funny, that's terrible. And it's sad because he's clearly doing it as a man who's reached the end of his tether. 
that's not an excuse. But clearly this guy's losing his touch with reality too, but in a much more subtle way. Because he's man of science who's being thrown off these zombie curveballs. And you can't quite believe there's zombies on Zombie Island. But this entire scene doesn't work the way they want it to work. Because she is actually hilariously over the top. Like she's full on... He's doing this weird Kubrick performance where it's really mannered and layered. And she's just doing this grand, this kind of really over-the-top operatic horror performance where she's like... Actually, that's it. She's doing an early version of um, Amy Irving's... No, not Amy Irving's. Um, shit, who's who's the one from Carrie? The mother and Carrie, who's really over-top... Piper? Piper Laurie? Maybe? But she's doing that sort of performance, and that's what annoyed about Carrie too. Like everyone raved about Carrie, and I agree that in most respects it's a good movie because Brian De Palma, except for Casualties of War, which would play awful, cannot make a bad movie. But Carrie was like this weird example of a movie where, sorry, just to interrupt myself, her look at the end is straight. Now she's got a straight Kubrick look. Who wrote this shit and directed it and thought that was a suitable scene between two actors? To have one woman playing it completely over the top and the other man playing it completely under the top, you know? It's breathtakingly weird. So, Doctor has a chat Gardner and says, Make sure no one goes in the house, and Gardner says, See no one. I would not be comforted in that situation, you know, at all. I I would probably like not want to. Well, I, I suppose he does want to leave, because the impression is he's obsessed with his work and all that. But even so, and now we're on boat, and Crystal's is the worst sunburn. It doesn't seem bothered, like. I don't know about you guys, because I'm not a big beach guy in general, but if I was really sunburned, I don't think I would stand topless on top of a boat in boiling hot weather and get more sunburned. And they coming in Zombie Island, and they pass this guy on the shore, this guy in an amazing hat, as tense music plays, and he makes a religious gesture. Right, here's the thing. The tense music, is he part of the Haitian cult? Who creates a sort of zombieism? It's never properly established, but that's a weird scene. And also kind of racist, to be honest. Like, you know? So now we cut back to Dr. Maynard. And he's looking at microscopes and looking at blood. And he's... I, I never figure out in this scene, is he taking his own blood? Or is he going to inject himself with zombie serum to see if it can be countered? It's a very DC Comics thing to do. Test the serum on safe. I mean, Man Bat did it. Kurt Lansrum. Half the DC supervillains did it. What a weird scene. Although I do like his scenes trying to put across the medical versus supernatural aspect. Because it's not something... I think, especially at this time, they didn't really dwell on a lot. Even Romero, he just had it matter of fact. He had those amazing scenes that stopped on dead with the news crew, showed real weird aspects of disease. But then, except for the third one, he never really had zombies, scientists exploring it particularly. 
In third one, they did a lot. They had soldiers versus scientists, but even then, it didn't quite go as far as I was hoping it would go. Because a proper scientific scientist versus supernatural zombie franchise can be really cool. Like, it's like the whole Dave Fincher thing. I know I say like a lot, and I'm sorry. I'll try and work on that future episodes. But the Dave Fincher approach of procedurals, which really matter of fact, I think you do a fucking amazing zombie movie of that. In fact, Dave Fincher, do a zombie movie and then credit me for giving you the idea. You know, I need, I need to pay my rent this month. So now they're talking about Love Island not being charted. Zombie Island has. Vampire Island hasn't. Kung Fu Island hasn't either. But, you know, Kung Fu Island's my idea. So you take that one. That's going to be a big movie someday. Trust me. And it's going to be setting this continuity. So the um, dubbing's getting really bad now. Right, so Bristles is um wants some stop. She wants to do some underwater photography. And now here comes incredibly gratuitous fan service. Tiniest pair of briefs and she's naked from the waist up. And it's just like it's a phone basically she's wearing and she's putting on all this diving equipment. And this is a really weird scene, because, like, I mean, obviously, you get, I get what point for this scene is. It's, it's a half-naked woman filming underwater, wearing goggles and strap back, and I'm sure that's a fetch for someone, but, like, the, the backpack, obviously, and recording equipment and scoop goggles. But I don't know, I feel like, as I get older, I just feel, I feel bad for the actresses to have to do this shit. Because you write this stuff and you direct it, but you never stop think about the actresses who have to actually do it. And she's got to actually swim underwater with that heavy shit on her back. It just looks uncomfortable, to be honest. And it seems like it's set up for the most iconic scene in this entire movie, which I read about this um, shit, 21 years ago. Um, in one of the British movie magazines, I think it's Total Film or something like that, and had this as one of the most iconic horror scenes of all time, and I didn't watch this movie until like 2016, 2016, yeah, because I, I, I really, I watched it on um, Amazon Prime, and I really, really, really enjoyed it, and I thought it was really good, and it's like, very strange, very weird, but good and fun. And so, but when, when I saw this scene, I was like, the, the iconic, most iconic scene from this movie, well, the second most iconic scene, another one later, although I prefer this one. It's, when I saw this, not her swimming about, that's not the iconic part. The iconic part is coming up now with, with the shark from Jaws versus a zombie. And... But when I watched it, it just raised so many questions. I was like, how how does a zombie survive underwater? Like, I know it doesn't need... It's just, I couldn't figure it out. Then I was like, I expected more somehow. I mean, vibe I got from this scene with Sharp versus the zombie. I got more of a vibe of... I can't remember where it was. I think... I don't even know what movie it's called. It's some shitty horror movie. And it was, um... 
uh, sea monster, like one of the Black Lagoon ones. Obviously not creature from Black Lagoon, but a monster like that from sea, who's just trying to drag a woman into the ocean. And I remember watching that thinking that was awful on so many levels. And it's kind of, it's a better version, but kind of reminds me of that, because in, in theory it's good, and it's iconic, and it's cool, and it's new and different, and it's an example of Lucio Fulci's weird touches that make his movies so distinctive. Like, if you get a chance to watch City of the Living Dead, watch it. It's not even a zombie movie, but it's wonderful. No, they're, they're shooting, they're shooting at Jark, Shark who rams the boat, and, and now zombie, dang well show up. I'm getting Echo Dolphin flashbacks too. I'm playing that game in like summer of 2008 when I was a oh, broke student, and um, a mate lent me Echo Dolphin on PlayStation 2, and I played it for about 10 minutes, and then I got really irritated that. For some reason, Shark kept bleeding out of his ass. No, not Shark, Dolphin, Echo Dolphin. Anyway, the zombies grabbed her, and... He's not a very strong zombie. I don't know how he's surviving underwater. I don't get the logistics of that. But I do think it's cool to have this sort of scene in there, because it makes it a bit more unique, and it's trying to break new ground, you know? Which is good, because... I feel like you have to have these weird touches, otherwise it just comes generic shit. If you have to be an amazing movie on its own right, like something like 28 Days Later or um, uh, Dawn, the new Dawn of the Dead, the last one, not the Day of Dead ones, they're shit, the remakes. But this is very unique and a shark, despite that, doesn't really make any sense. And like, it's nowhere shark. Zombie be able to overcome shark and stuff like that. It's very cool because they're doing a lot of interesting stuff with it, and like visuals and the action and choreography and stuff like that. Like this must be an exceptionally difficult shoot, and I think they do a really good job. And also, I don't think anything like this has been done in some movie since. And instantly, I'll go into more of this at the end. But this is why I love Shudder. Because this isn't even touching the iceberg of how weird this app gets, horror movie-wise. Also, I want to say quickly that I'm very thankful Shudder. Because I actually asked them on Facebook if I could do this podcast. Because I thought, I don't want to call it Friday Night Shudder if I don't have permission. Not permission, but if they're not cool of it. Because obviously, it's their app. And last thing I want to cause waves and stuff like that because I really appreciate the app and they said okay and I was just oh, I was over the moon when they said that because whenever anything I do writing wise or directing wise or stuff like that, I'm hoping to do more in the new year I always class myself as a punk kid from Aylesbury like and to actually be able to do some of this stuff it makes me just oh so giddy because I love watching horror movies and I love discussing them. Anyway, sorry. Um, so the zombie shark, the shark bit zombie in Green Blood came out, which is interesting because that doesn't happen again. Um, so we cut to uh, a sort of outside church and there's some goats walking around. Sorry, I'm about 30 seconds behind you guys now. 
So that's cool. It's got a Resident Evil 7 vibe. Different continent, but same vibe. We cut to a hospital, a makeshift hospital in a shed, in a barn even. It's fine barn to English. And Maynard is examining some people. I guess the implication here is that if you die here, you become zombie. If you're not shot in the head. Because none of these people look like they're bit by zombies. Which does explain continuity snow on boat a tiny bit. Richard Johnson, again, is opposite people who can't act at all. It's either can't act or dubbing, because their choices are so bad. He's playing it really subtle, and they're playing it really grangy, no over the top. Sorry, just enjoying some more carbonated soda. Not carbonated water, we want sponsorship for another... I want sponsorship for another week. And I probably won't get it. But we're four, four minutes into this experience. That's good. And hey, if you haven't turned off by this point, I might consider you a little, little listener. Now we get a scene where they're discussing the Haitian aspect of zombies. And Maynard calls it ridiculous because you know, it's stupid. Zombie Island zombies, that's just coincidence. Just coincidence that they happen to be born on this island. And this is kind of like, um, I guess, well, I work in the NHS, so I know how roughly how hustles work here. So I call this guy uh, a healthcare assistant. The HSA is giving doctors lip, and he's sort of like, no, no, zombies, zombies are real. It's, it's voodoo, it's Haitian voodoo. You hear those tribal beats in background. One thing I actually really enjoy about this movie is the implication that the tribe is just following them round. It's doing random zombie shit in the background. It's like, you, you're a zombie. You become a zombie. You're a zombie. You know, that whole, you have car, and you have car, and you have car. Because I'm updating my pop culture references, y'all. They've been trapped by um, the crew. Oh, is this my favourite scene? I'm going to be honest, I would be generally honest with all of you, I don't really know how to describe this, because this is one of the most disgusting scenes in any movie ever made. I mean, uh, any, any high, not high budget movie, but any big budget, not any big budget, any mass release movie, because you have stuff like, um, Megan is missing, which is fucking repulsive. And then you have stuff like Serpent Movie, which is even worse. But, I mean, this this is actually, this is iconic, but not in a good way. It's just, oh, it's horrible to watch. I am... Um, I... I'm not sure what to say. This is fan service, by the way. This is just another example of. I mean, I, I, I just especially in this day and age with the, the Me Too movement and stuff like that, and Hollywood's latent sexism, and even like the movie business's latent sexism in general, I feel more and more uncomfortable with scenes like the the scene about follows. I feel uncomfortable with in terms of the what happens in it but just the objectification of female characters just 
I mean, it's kind of, it's it's frustrating, really, because it seems like the more old movies you watch, the more you just feel like the, the actresses want to do this scene where they're naked, or where they pushed into it, like, or coerced into it, but to be honest, this is not time or place to have that discussion, so we're just going to cut back. So now the, the Dr. Maynard's wife, um, shit, I can't remember her name, such bad performance, I don't think they even said She's getting spooked now because she might have left one of the doors open and her gardener was sat outside with the dog and then rang off. This is why you don't trust a guy like that look after your wife. And by guy like that, I mean a uh, really, guy who's really bad at his job, you know. It's also a weird, very multi, multicultural nature of zombie islands. Very diverse. So now... This woman, Maynard's wife, is walking. Screw it, I gotta find out what her name is. Just gonna pause the movie for a sec. Oh, she's literally just called Mrs. Maynard, but she was in Purple Rain and Once Upon a Time in America, so wow, you know, good on her. Wait, 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 wait a second. I'm still looking for the credits. Oh, apparently, like... Oh, shit, I never knew that. I thought Anne's dad was Dr. Maynard, but apparently, no, I'm still looking for the credits, and her dad's the guy they shoot at the start of the movie. Huh. How strange. Generally blown my mind there. Well, I think we need to continue with this move now. Anyway, um, Mrs. Maynard is literally just called Mrs. Maynard, so I would expect moving just go with that. That really blows my mind, and I learned something, so this podcast was worth that at the very least. Hey, here's, anyway, Mrs. Maynard hears a smash, and she goes to investigate. Nope, she doesn't go to investigate, she locks the door, which is reasonably logical behaviour, but apparently the zombie managed to sneak in while she wasn't looking, and has his toe stuck in the door, or hand stuck in the door or something. I don't know how he got dropped on her considering these zombies, oh it's a hand, how these zombies move super slow. Anyway, she is smashing his fingers which are stuck in the little door crevice against the wall. Against the door frame, even or trying to, he's pushing the door open more and more. This is quite cool. Like I like the the slow tenseness of this. Like the the feeling that the zombies are going to get her. There's no escaping it. But what I what does bug me, actually, I'll get into that in a sec. The gore effects of in this movie in general are amazing. Like when his fingers being crushed in the door frame, and you can see like the cracks and all of that, and blood dripping down. That's really, really cool. And it's really distinctive, although it doesn't mesh, because, like, when the sharp zombie, he bled green blood. Wait, what the fuck? See, there's faulty, there's some really weird choices. And now zombies are trying to smash through the door. 
And this is point where it got me, because I remember finding out in advance about the what happens. I thought they were going to grab her hair at that point and smash pour through the door. But no, they, they dragged this out a bit longer. And it's this is the horror. This is actually really good horror stuff, because you know zombies can get her at this point. You're just trying to figure out how. But it's not but the next bit. Like, that's good writing, because it's really terrifying. But then this next bit isn't. This next bit is clearly, we're struggling here. We need to wrap this up. Because they grab her by hair, and all the shards of wood from the door sticking outwards. So they're pulling her forward, and forward, and forward, and forward, and forward. And, oh, um, this is really... Here's the problem. This is disgusting. But in terms of, like, structure and shot and all of that, this is actually really... Oh, she get the an eyeful. But in terms of structure and all of that, and in terms of the shot and the effects and all of that, and the horror of this scene, that is brilliant. That's really, 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 really good directing there. And actually acting for the first time in this whole movie, apart from Dr. Maynard Richard Johnson. Yeah, so it's like... Oh, I hate saying like. You should do a drink. Don't do a drink game where you take a drink every time I say like because that'll be bad for you, Dave. I just. It just gets me watching movies like this because that's a really good horror scene, but it's disgusting. And if you have any sensitivity to your eye area, don't watch this movie, like, at all. It's just. Oh. So, 46 minutes in. That's good. 53 minutes of podcast. Obviously, you did a bit of start. I love little. I love the wild animals walking around, who clearly aren't stunt trained or performance animals. They're just animals that were hanging about. So finally, our heroes live on Zombie Island, and it's interesting because like normally when you watch movies, it takes a while for characters to get into thick things, but this essentially is like halfway through movie and we're only just having main character show up Dot Maynard Dot Maynard is pissed on the beach clearly he knows his wife's dead he's gone proper for a man now so now his other assistant elite nurse even is shouting at him that voodoo's real and he's sort of like no it's not it's not it's not And this this is your scene movie where Dr. Maynard Richard Johnson, his character seems like it was spoken English, dubbed into Italian, then dubbed back into English. Doesn't seem like he's actually speaking. And this guy is the worst sunburn. Like, stay with your fucking arms, mate. Jesus Christ. Like, what is going on there? I have to remember, I I, I have to apologise, because I, I would sometimes stop and just watch a movie, but then remember that this is a podcast and you can't hear the movie. I'll try and do a better job for that. Essentially, at this point, we're getting into, like, the last sort of part of the movie. It's strange to say we're getting into the last half of the movie when there's half the movie left, but we are at this point. 
may not shoot enough guy. And I do think the idea that he's gradually going more and more insane is a good one. It's very cool. It's very creepy. Chris Seals fires a flare. Which is very strange. You've just arrived on the island. And you fire a flare immediately. You think you'd keep that for when like zombie attack comes near the end? I don't know. I'm not a... I'm not an explorer, so what do I know? They're doing a good job with Maynard's descent into madness. Start of the movie, he looks really clever. Now he's just... What is this guy's problem? They arrived on the island and he's fired off two flares. What an arsehole. The um, HCA assistant, healthcare assistant from earlier sees it and says, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to bury more of my brothers. They're bearing enough person. Apparently, Lucas informs Dr. the healthcare assistant that, that someone is firing rockets. And the Dr. Maynard is very much like, that's not rockets flare. Because he's pedantic sort. And takes his two assistants to bury goddamn body, but they're too busy having a stupid argument over, is it voodooism or is it, like, voodooism? Like, it's just stupid. I, I get the point of this, like, they want to establish that this is different from Dawn of the Dead, despite the fact that this is a sequel to the Italian version of Dawn of the Dead, where Haitians and voodooism and all of that stuff was not part of the backstory. It was the only thing you get in the Romero trilogy. No, I've got trilogies. I like the other ones, but they're not part of the core trilogy. It's not, it might be related to a nuclear radiation or space rays. Not not Haitian voodooism. So you're just watching this and you're thinking, that's a weird thing. To, I, I guess I get why they keep bringing it up, because they want people to really know that this is what's causing the zombieism. Clear as day, it's not ambiguous. That's it, that's the cause of it. This is not like why the last man where six different possible explanations for why you're it's the last man on earth. No, there's only one explanation here, it's it's voodooism, that's it. The interesting part though is that voodooism seems to be inflicting itself on people who live on Zombie Island too. I really should watch Zombie. F- I think at some point I'll watch Zombie Flesh Eaters 2, Zombie 3, Zombie of an Eye. Not, not at the moment, because I think I'd love to watch it, but at the same time, it would be nice to have it on Shudder. We're not supposed to do it in Century. Anyway, a crab. This is saying Caribbean, so the Caribbean version of Tumbleweed's a crab. So it, it's walking long floors, a zombie enters town. Maynard's met up, and this movie takes on whole new new dimensions when you realise that Maynard isn't actually um, Anne's father. Because that's what I thought at first, and I thought their tenth relationship was just because, like, the writing was that bad. But no. So now we get um, Dr. Maynard, and I really should pay attention to this, the other 10 times watched the movie, explaining that Anne's father thought he could be a guinea pig for the zombie infestation. Which, like, wait, what? 
Sorry, I don't know what sense that makes. That confuses me now more. How can you watch a movie over ten times and be confused on your eleventh watch? This is the flashback to Doc Maynard in happier times. Find out that Anne's father, who, I'm sorry, like, does not look anything like her and speaks in a heavy Italian accent. This is ludicrous. This is why I was so confused earlier. He looks like an Italian version of Donald Sutherland. And speaks just in garbled gibberish. This is why I thought Dr. Maynard's her father. Because he looks more like her than this guy does. Acts more like her than this guy does. And it doesn't make any sense for him not to be her father. But at the same time, that's not where movie's going. So, okay. I'm very confused right now, I have to say. It's not hit by the fact that the only criticism have Shudder, and it's something I'm sure they'll work on, is they don't have subtitles on all their movies and it gets really irritating sometimes and i'm just gonna prove myself wrong because this movie probably does have subtitles no it doesn't shudder if you're watching or listening or anything this get subtitles loads of people would work for you and do subtitles happily like, it'd probably take 11 watches of this movie to actually figure out what people are actually talking about. But someone would do subtitles for you, and it'd be very useful. Because, especially movies like this, where the dubbing's that bad. Oh. Right, so go back to seeing it start. And I do like this, because they're essentially reframing it. At the start, he's present, Maynard's present this very, very cool guy who shoots his friend, and it's very cool and it's a really good start to the movie but now they reframe it because you see him in close-up and he shoots the guy but he clearly doesn't want to and it recontextualizes the start of the movie and part of this is Richard Johnson's amazing like genuinely amazing performance because it's haunting what he does here he looks so torn up and this is the point where he's they portray him having a close relationship with this guy in maybe two scenes. And the way he said the boat can leave now, taking the crew, it's not said as awesome as it was at the start. It's says sad. And I know some people say, like, that's bullshit. You're, you're changing how scenes can cross. But I like... I really, really... I do like it. I, I love it, actually. I think it's a really clever way of putting across how characters can change over time by showing you the same scene, but in two different contexts. Because when you know the information, a lot of scenes can change. Now Doc Maynard's explained to them about voodoo. They're telling him it's bullshit, and he's sort of like, well, I thought that, but, you know, it's it's been 10 minutes, and I'm starting to believe that it might be on level now. Get some backstory about the Spanish conquistadores, which actually I also love. I think it's really cool to have that sort of backstory and tying history and mythology and all of that. It's what I think Tarantino does best, where he'll have this entire F Time City Tarantino movie riddled with backstory. F1 has backstory. You could go back 150 years and he'd be able to see you in on what happened in that point gets to this point. 
I think I missed the scene where um, what did I? There's a scene in this movie where um, Maynard is explaining all tests they've ran, and like I marked the fuck out when I realised I knew what tests what tests were and how they worked, and it was pointless. Like yeah, working working in the um, NHS has really benefited me. I think when you figure that stuff out. That silence was because I was having some more carbonated water. You know, I got a call from my sponsors. They told me, you know, Ian, you need to sound more enthusiastic about carbonated water. Not even call. I got an email. I checked my email during this movie. And I think, you know what? I think they're right. But I think they're right mostly because they threaten not to sponsor me anymore. And I think it's important that I get sponsors because, you know, this is the first episode... If we can't get, if I can't get sponsors, that's a problem because I have to pay for this shit somehow. So here we go, carbonated water, crap, carbonated soda is the perfect drink to drink while watching Friday Night Shudder. I encourage all of you to get carbonated soda. Carbonated soda. Carbonated soda is really good. I approve of it. So, Doc Maynard, it's kind of weird because he framed it. It's like this guy is his best friend, Fritz, who's lying in hostel. He's Doc Maynard's best friend, the only other white man on the island. Which is so hilariously racist. It's like he's run out of white friends on Zombie Island. So Fritz is going to tell him something. He's going to explain that his daughter came visit him and that she bit him. And Maynard's like, why, why did you, why, why do you let your daughter bite you? And Fritz is like. She she'd been dead for two days and I I I was I was lonely. And then point move gets really weird. And then they cut to a shot of his daughter and makeup is stunning. Like I I I would not joke about that. The effects in this movie are brilliant. They're so good. So so brutal and so sharp. So now. I I missed this earlier, but I've watched this movie a lot, so I can catch up. So the Scooby Doo gang are driving to pick up Maynard's wife. And at this point, surely Maynard knows that his wife has to be dead. You know, like he just spent the entire evening passed out on the beach drinking whiskey. That's not very doctory. I'm I'm sure you of that. So the Scooby Doo gang, uh, minus Shaggy, you know. And Wesley tells them that there's something fishy about this house and, you know, the fact that no one's there. But it's not fishy at all because usually people aren't sat outside when you arrive at their house, they're inside. And this is enough time where these characters somehow have no sense of smell or anything like that because they can't sniff the fact that there's a decaying corpse inside the house. Like, how do you not get that? 
with. Like, I, I, I think more horror movies should actually use the senses in terms of their scares, like with taste and with touch and with smell and with hearing, because how great would it be if you could use those? I, I guess it's because people watching the movies can hear and see, but they can't smell either. But these characters exist, don't exist in a vacuum, you know? Like, how do you not... If it's a decaying body stinks, like, that's basic, basic logic. You don't need to be a scientific whiz to get that. Anyway, zombies are eating Mrs. Maynard, and this is... The scene in Day of the Dead, when they eat the body, that's disgusting. This is literally... Like, the two worst, most disgusting zombie movies I've seen for effects are this, and there's one bit in VHS 2 as a mountain bike GoPro section, which is just absolutely revolting in the most... Oh, it's, 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 there's this um, recap of TV about Pity back in the day called Demian, and F time there's a violent being supernatural, Rao the Gore Dragon come out, and it, she would, Demian would just type, GORE! This is gore. This is like Paul Heyman. Gore! Gore, gore by Rhino. You know levels. <coughs> oh, that hurt my throat. So zombies have got them surrounded in house. And there's no way out. Scooby-Doo gang. We're not going to get a corridor bit here. And then Wesley remembers that he can use household objects as weapons. They're going to leave the other weapons on wall. They're not going to take weapon that he just used. They go and drive away, which in some semblance is kind of logical, like you want to get away as fast as possible. But the problem we've always seen is you know where this is going to go. Because these four are jackass extraordinaires. And here's the thing you don't need to drive super quick away from the scene. These are zombies, they can't run. They're not rage infected monsters like 28 Days Later, you know? You can go slowly, and they still are not going to be able to catch you. But, what can you do? Lose Fulci. Maynard is contemplating how many more white people he can shoot without losing his soul. And then he shoots Fritz. And then he's like... At that point, you can see that the character is giving up. Likely felt by the actor's sense that he's starring in a zombie movie, which he'd rather be anywhere else on planet. Consummate professional, great performance, but clearly would rather be anywhere else. Um, these Scooby Gang runs, go, is driving slowly, runs down a zombie, or is about to stop, and then they speed up when they drive. Pass, swerve past the zombie and then crash into a tree and somehow Wesley breaks his leg which is don't understand how that works the drivers aren't hurt the other woman in the back seat's not hurt and they didn't even hit the tree and somehow Wesley's broke his leg that is absolutely ludicrous that is absolutely frigging ludicrous. That doesn't make any sense. Literally. It's like they shot the scenes where he was limping and he had a broken leg. Like, they shot the finale part. And then they had to go back and shoot how it happened. But then they didn't want to actually smash the car. So dumb. Like, 
I mean, I get the impression he's not broken leg, like sprained ankle. Or maybe Yachter actually had that injury. But it's so bizarre. Like, so bizarre. And this confirmed my theory with Anne hearing drums. That they can... They're being followed by the Haitian Zombie Island Club Band. But here's the thing, like... I get the impression that they're trying to create that the Haitian Club Zombie Island Band is going around causing all this voodoo. But that seems really specific. Like, who are they angry at? Why are they selectively doing it? It's just so bizarre. So hilariously bizarre. So HGA assistant is taking down all the IV drips, all the blood transfusion bags. He's fed up. He wants to just go home. Maynard is really pissed now. He's like, you better not say it's voodoo. And this guy's like, what, what do you want me to say? It's voodoo. It's not voodoo, shouts Doc Maynard. Okay, fine. When the earth spit out the dead, they would come back to suck the blood out of the living? No offence, dude, but your uncle sounds batshit insane. That's vampires, that's not zombies. Well, ghouls! Like, ghouls, zombies don't suck blood, they just eat you. Well, I mean, they're not even meant to have done that. Romero changed the mythology, because that's... Traditionally, ghouls are the ones who eat every part of you. Zombies were, like this guy said, mind-controlled people. So, the mythology is not... I think this is kind of an attempt to slightly take back the westernised attitude towards zombies that Romero popularised. But you're still you're going even more over the top with them eating people. Like this is one thing that's why I like watching Supernatural. Supernatural did a good job of pointing out difference between zombies and ghouls. And ghouls are terrifying by the way. The ones on Supernatural who are just utterly pleasant people who just will eat you slowly. Oh, it's disgusting. And now back to Conquistadors. And I love this, like, minor bat story of Conquistadors trying to conquer Zombie Island and they all died. And she's just realised they're by the graves of Conquistadors. And they've been dead for so long, there'll be even more maggoty. Just such a cool thing. Bat story can be used in so many awesome ways. And just the images of these graves and things like that. It's so cool, so atmospheric, adds so much to this movie, and I really, really, really think Lucio Fulci, I, I, I love horror apps like this, which give me a chance to watch movies like his ones, so good, well not good, but fun, and now, so Anne and Wesley, you know, We've got to get back to that. Back. We've got to get back to that romantic chemistry. I mean, these two are just. This is the perfect time to try and have sex when you're lying on an island full of zombies, and your partner's leg is broken, and you have no chemistry whatsoever, 
and zombies about dig their hands out of grave. I, I do like, really like how the zombies will slowly come out of graves here. Like, really slowly. Really amp up the tension. It's very cool. The hand out of grave. It's got to be slow for me. Like, if you come to, if you stick out too fast, it doesn't work at all. It's got to be, like, really slow and fog cool. Because zombies, if they're fast, it defeats the point. And then, the other things I hate in this movie, when they grab hair, oh, it looks terrifying. It's so, so painful. And when they grab Wesley's leg here, Jesus, like, the, I actually feel for the actress. Like, it actually feels like they're trying to rip her hair out. So here's my most iconic part of the movie. So you get Rissles. She's looking up as a zombie slowly comes out ground. And does she have PTSD? Like, I don't understand. The only thing I think of here is that the editing is unique. And what she's reacting to and what's coming out ground, they're happening at different times. But it's being edited together to look linear. Instantly, zombie coming out ground with maggots and worms in its eye and slowly coming up. That is one of the best effects, practical effects I have ever seen. It's so good. It's terrifying and weird and very maggoty and wormy. I don't like her acting though. I don't like you just stare at zombies over and over again until they attack you. I mean, it's so stupid. It's like, it happens more and more in this movie. And instantly, mm, that, that, that seven artery effect. Oh, that's disgusting. Oh, bloody, talk about Bloody Mary. Her name's not Mary, but anyway. It just, I can't let this movie go by that talking about Crystal's Day Planet t-shirt. And so that's my theory, understanding to why this movie is actually set in DC Universe. Because of that t-shirt, in fact, that it's clearly an XP for the Daily Planet. I just love the idea that all this weird shit is going on. Because if you read DC Comics or watch the movies or anything, you'll notice there's so many, much weird stuff going on at the same time. It's If you ask why didn't Superman solve this problem, you just think, well, because he's got his own shit going on. You know, this is for Swamp Thing and Constantine to sort out, but they got their own shit going on. So, Chris, Crystals is sad because Crystals is really dead. Like, she's not slightly dead, she's actually dead. Wesley's just decapitated a zombie with a cross, a, a, a large, not large, medium sized cross, which was really cool. The symbolism of religion versus. Oh no, it's kind of strange really, because like, the whole movie's played up science versus faith, and he kills a zombie with a religious symbol. That's pretty, it's kind of not really subtle at all, but it's quite cool, it's quite effective. And I'm at 78 minutes, I didn't think I'd get this far, but I figure, you know, we might as well keep going to the end. And if you just still listen at this point, wow, like, I give you props. This is not going to be like all oh, the other episodes are like at any rate, because, you know, we're going to do a bit more research. I just won't get the first one done, really. I mean, I, I feel like if you don't get, if you don't do it, if you talk about working on something forever and then never actually finish it, perfectionism is great and it's something to aspire to. At the same time, 
the weird absence you get by just doing stuff and putting online and having people criticize it, which probably be roundly criticized. That's fine. That's life. Back to the zombie effects. Oh man, like whoever the guy who designed these is so good. It's the music and the setup and the the mask effects and just the the weird blood and gore and all of that. It's just the idea that these zombies are rising and in background you see the you see the um, conquistador's grave and more rising in background and it's just it's hard to describe but it's so cool it's like such a great effect and the image of zombies here walking through town slowly and they're decaying and they're stuttering I just this is such a good movie right so we're down three um, I should play the Scooby-Doo stuff more but I decided not to so that's fine so Wesley zombies are slowly coming off them and this is tense now because Wesley can't run he can crawl and that's the speed zombies go at so they are going to catch up and they're coming to the um, town and barn and Barnes a really great place for his own movie to end because it's a, like a last stanza thing. And also you got Maynard who's got all the dead bodies in Barn he's trying to execute. Incidentally, if you're wondering which carbonated soda no I'm recommending, I'm literally just recommending carbonated soda. Not not because of sponsorship, because I, I just got an email saying they cancelled that sponsorship. Like they weren't they weren't happy that like <laughs> I was not exactly selling it properly with all carbonated water and all of that. So I'll have to find out a new sponsor for next week. Ah that zombie with the lazy eye, that, that Shawn Michaels looking zombie. <laughs> Talk about heartbreak kid, eh? I, I, I can understand in this movie why they spent so much time showing zombie effects off because if you get if you can do something to an A plus standard and rest of movies like C C plus apart from music which is like A so you got A standard that's very cool I do love how Maynard's approach for fixing Wesley's leg is I'm going to put cotton buds through it but I think the implication is that Wesley's infected like there is no way he's not. Maynard's trying to ask Bear's wife, and they don't want to tell him that she's like dead. So they don't say anything. He's sort of like, Well, I, I am really hungover, so okay. Instantly, join fucking club, mate. Like, it's the joys of recording this on Bank Holiday Monday, eh? You get, you get a day, a weekday off from work. Oh, here comes my favourite scene. Maynard talking about how three months ago one fisherman swore that he saw his wife, but she'd been dead. Two days. She'd been dead for two days. Thanks, Maynard. And he tries doing his scientific explanation of what's going on. Talking about fantastic legends of the islands, like the fact that it's called Zombie Island wasn't giveaway. 
he explains in a second about all the tests he ran like um I'll, I'll, I'll try and explain it at one second delay so I'm trying to hear what he's saying anyway zombies are walking up to the thing the barn Maynard is trying to explain that as a man of science he does not believe things which defy logic so he ran some tests bacteriology biology even radiology they performed tests, tests. Epilepsy. epilepsy, epilepsy. Nothing fit. Not even radiology. Not virology. He ran blood tests for viruses in blood and couldn't find anything. He did radiological tests. I'm assuming he did an X-ray. I'm assuming he did a CT scan. I'm assuming he did MRIs, VQ nuclear medicine. He found nothing. Maybe even an ultrasound. He found nothing. Virology, nothing. He ran tests for epilepsy. He found nothing, which... I would just stop him there and ask him, Doc, does this look like a form of epilepsy to you? I have... I know and I have knowledge of... Not a superman, but of epilepsy. I'm pretty sure one of the side effects is not biting other people and then eating their organs. I think it's meant to portray how Maynard's gone off deep end, but what in the ever-loving fuck is he talking about? And now we've come to the gore scene for the movie where a guy gets a zombie gets his head smashed in the shovel. They're trying to make Molotov cocktails. And zombies are all trying to get in the door. I, I do love this. I it's one of the things I love most about Terminator. When you see them obviously you don't want people to make this stuff at home, but I love when you see characters in movies making weapons like pipe bombs or Molotov cocktails or stuff like that because it's so cool and oh shit Maynard's dead he, he got half his face bitten off and then that was it I think that's clear Richard Johnson didn't want being smooth anymore Fritz he's actually bitten by Fritz which was kind of sad but it's weird that that's all that it took to kill him well, no, Fritz, and then starts eating the rest of his face off. So maybe he is like, I'm just going to die because I'm going to get bit a bit more. Bit a bit more. No puns. So despite Wesley knowing, despite Crystal's knowing at this point that zombies don't die if you shoot them in the head, he keeps shooting people in the stomach first for some reason. Then he takes down Fritz, so congratulations on that. Steps over him and starts to try checking Maynard. He's just had three quarters of his face, of one side of his face bitten off. I, I, it does get me that they're not tying these zombies down properly at all. Or shooting them in the head. But the effect of the zombie, of this female zombie coming out of the blankets pushing out face first and rising it's really creepy and atmospheric like they do a really good job in this movie of that so the HC gets his arm bitten into and oh it's just like Dawn of the Dead the effects on this is just so grotesque but 
they do such a good job. Although, again, I hate the deering headlights look on. I can't do anything. This zombie slowly comes at me. It just always really bugs me. Because it's such a lazy way to fill out time. And it's not tense. It just makes me think these characters are morons. Like, I get you're scared. But just leave. Is this... What Austin Powers was parodying with, like, you're slowly getting me. It's just so bad. Like... So bad. Not even slightly tense. Come on, Crystals. He's... He just can't get headshots. What? Oh, that's cool, Zine. Zombie with, like, one eye. Whose head blows up when he's shot. Look, he lets you time to kill a zombie and then take out two zombies in room with you and you're still screaming. What is this woman's problem? And then she's even dumber. Like, she gets a dumbass caught by a zombie. <laughs> They're really playing fast and loose with how quick these zombieism starts, by the way. Because the HA will just bit. And then come zombie like two seconds later. But then other characters take ages to become zombies. <laughs> and why are they still surprised by zombies? I don't get it. Like, how's this still shocking you? Do something. Be proactive, woman. Come on. Jesus Christ. So now zombies are smashing in barn door, coming. They're coming for us. And so our humans, our Scooby Gang's idea is let's burn the barn. That is foolproof. I do like the coolness of it though. It's a cool visual of like a ring, not a ring fire, like a line fire. And zombies are burning and don't give shit. They don't feel pain. And yet at the same time, so like you didn't think this plan through, did you? Because you have to leave the barn and barn's now on fire. And zombies are crawling through windows and shit. It's hard to recap scene like this anyway because it's really it's a lot of zombies being shot and a lot of people doing shooting and then the fire and all of that but it's hard to write too like it's quite a for such a good scene it's quite a static scene like um you get a lot of shooting and guns and all of that but they're staying in the same place and I guess now they're throwing Murtov cocktails but the actual composition is it's not like you're moving from location to location where there's a lot of like twisting or hand-to-hand fighting or stuff like that. I imagine it's quite a scene that you almost like, not direct on day, but you figure out in the um, sort of studio or... I, I suppose you would direct on day. You'd have a rough idea of what you're doing, but then like specifics like little cool shit... Because you're not going to know how fire's going to work until today and stuff like that. There's going to be little changes you're going to have to improvise. Well, not improvise. You're going to plan in advance, but not like... It, some of the stuff in writing page won't work because it's quite matter-of-fact. Not matter-of-fact. Um, you need to know what your stunt crew can or can't do. Don't always know that while writing, so I imagine this was quite a short scene in the script. Yeah, I'm destroying this barn though. 
Wish you could do stuff like this in Red Dead Redemption, Undead Nightmare, but I suppose the logic, logistics of it wouldn't work. Instantly, Red Dead Redemption 2, oh, I can't wait. That is going to be glorious. So many levels. First game, some best things I've ever played. Sorry, tangent. Um, lots of tangents here, but I'm. We've almost made it. So now there's more zombies. They've hidden in the back room. There's more zombies and crystals and Wesley just smack them in the face. The thing, like, I I will point out that what gets me about movies like this is that. See, if I was writing this. I would have the female characters, or one of the female characters, take charge. Uh, this bit I understand why Crystals is torn, because he loves this woman and he doesn't want to attack her, but she's a zombie and she's just bitten his like, arm. And like they don't seem to realise that you have to shoot zombies. Also, don't know why Wesley's the one who feels torn up about shooting her. Shouldn't it be the other way round? Such a weird choice by Lucio Fulci. So they're running for the boat because they need to get out of here. That's the goal. They need to leave the island. Barn is um somehow not exploded yet. It's just like a, a, the roof is now on fire. It's quite cool that they... I'm almost positive they actually did that for a complete reel. They actually reburned down barn. I love practical effects like that. It's like the old car chase movies like Managing Point or Gone in 6 Seconds where they actually just crash the cars. And it looks so much cooler. Anyway, our heroes are now leaving Zombie Island. That's the end of the movie, surely. Nope, nope. Chris, the problem is that the only one can... Right, pilot boat is Chris. Despite the fact that Anne was born on boats, she doesn't know shit about riding them. Crystals is um fucked, for lack of a better word. You could try amputating his arm or throw him overboard or something. Like it's like they still don't know how zombies and works. Maybe they think because all zombies on Zombie Island are dead, that that's it. Just throw his ass overboard. There is no logic to this. I don't understand. This is... How are they not getting this? You literally go and become a zombie any second now and you're still not doing anything. They really, really messed this up because I'm getting the impression now that he's in love with Anne and she's in love with him. But that's not the impression he gave up to this point. Throw him overboard. He's dead. No! But why do you need proof? It's not American jurisdiction. You don't need to take him back. Weird movie. 
so they just had an argument over whether they should take the dude back with them. But that's the stupidest thing I've heard in a horror movie in years. Why would you take him back? Where's proof? You know it's going to become a zombie. You know it's going to be days until you get back to New York. If at all. Because you didn't even pilot a boat from New York. You piloted it from enough country. So you get an emergency message saying don't go to New York. And this incidentally. Oh it's coming up one of my. One of the funniest endings in a movie ever. It's so good. So clever. So apt. Not clever actually. The opposite of clever. It puts an example of Lucio Fulci not listening to what his gut says or what logic says. The two of them, anyway, Wesley and um, Anne here, Crystal's trying to open the door downstairs, which no other zombie attempts open the door, so that's quite strange. They smash the door down, but it's clear that he's going to get up. It's again warning of New York and zombie outbreak and all of that. But here's the thing, like, here's the thing. You see cars driving into New York. In below them, as the reporter on there dies viciously, he's eaten by zombies. So, right, here's the thing, like, I guess what their intent was, we're just going to shoot these zombies coming into New York and that's it. Problem is that doesn't make any sense, because these zombies, like, the zombie is already in New York, that's the point. Like, he's already there. So who created these zombies? I guess maybe Fat Zombie on Harbour went to enough place and created them. It's just, it's weird. You know, you're watching this movie, you're enjoying it. And then gets this point, and it's not only that, but zombies driving into New York. And you just think, what is going on? Why, why did you choose that? I guess... The intent that they had was just they couldn't shut down this bridge. So they needed to have those cars. But why not just do close-up shots of zombies? So strange. Anyway, that was Zombie Flesh Eaters. This is episode one of the Friday Night Show, the podcast. And I think that went okay. I, I, I don't think it's perfect. I think there's stuff to work on next time. And I'm definitely going to do another one. Um, I think I'll do Baynest. So, I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to sum up by saying, as critical as I am with zombie flesh eaters, I thought the movie was fun. I enjoyed it. I would recommend it to anyone who likes zombie movies. The acting's questionable. The writing's questionable at points. But the direction, the visuals, the effects and sound are breathtaking so good really good horror movie lucio faulty makes some weird choices some stuffing movies doesn't make any sense whatsoever but overall i think it's pretty good uh not pretty good what i'm talking about it's one of my favorite zombie movies possibly my favorite although i think dawn of the dead is far better and all of america's trilogy is better on critical and analytical standpoint but that was just fun now, it's just it's weird to say a fun movie because it's gross in points and really disgusting and depraving others. But, yeah, it's good. Really good. And I'd recommend it. And I'd like to, once again, say like one more time. I'd like to thank um, Shudder for being okay with me doing this podcast, review, recap, 
commentary, wherever, you know. And I think this will go up on Friday and hopefully you enjoy it. Anyway, this is Ian Austin signing off, saying so long and here's to all fish. <laughs>